Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. It's a blessing to be here with you all here at Grace Baptist Church. And uh, I really appreciate that song. Isn't it incredible uh, that Christ has ransomed us? I'm telling you, if everything else goes bad in our lives, the reality that we have a future and eternity in heaven makes the day worth living. And uh, the fact is, every day of our lives, God's given us more than we deserve. It's a real blessing to realize we've got a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm so glad you're here, and uh, we're delighted to just be able to open up the Word together and understand what God wants to do in all of our lives. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I do invite you to go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're there all day, and I just want to encourage us here as we look at God's Word to just be encouraged in our personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been deeply uh, impressed as we uh, look at uh, the the epistles and Paul's personal journey, just at the incredible honesty we find in uh, the pages of the Bible. And I'm grateful that every time we open the Bible, it introduces us to men and women uh, who were very transparent in their own personal walk with the Lord Jesus. It's a book I can identify with. It's filled with the stories of individuals that I can identify with. And uh, I'm so grateful that God did not just put a list of perfect people in this book. He uh, put uh, the lives of people uh, that, and uh, depicts their flaws and needs in their lives and gives us direction in how to find that help in our personal life. Philippians chapter 3 reminds us of a prayer Paul prayed and really something he challenges the uh, believers there in the church of Philippi. I want to just read verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings be made conformable unto his death. I want to draw your attention to that second phrase, that I may know the power of his resurrection. This morning I want to talk to us on the secret of life change. It's really a remarkable thing to be able to see a small butterfly um, during the springtime or summer. Sometimes we'll have some very beautiful uh, butterflies uh, fly into the yard, and I've been amazed to see some rather large ones, beautiful turquoise wings, um, beautiful color, and incredible detail to those very fine wings. And uh, what's remarkable is just how those um, beautiful little creatures uh, come out of a little cocoon, starting first as a caterpillar, then into a cocoon, and then the beautiful little butterfly we enjoy there on a wonderful spring day. Change is an incredible thing, especially when we see what God does in his handiwork with creation. But it's an even more amazing thing to experience change in our personal lives every day of our lives. And every time God gives us January 1st, every day of your life, or every year of your life, every time he lets us see another January 1st, he's giving us one of the biggest gifts we could experience. And that's the opportunity for change. 
I am encouraged that as we look at the, uh, uh, the Bible, uh, Scripture starts with Genesis. And we find there a very tragic story as Adam and Eve make a very uh, unfortunate decision to walk in disobedience to God. And while it seemed like the enemy was going to have the last word on humanity, God in his remarkable providence stepped in and promised the gift of his son, who would one day crush the head of Satan himself give us power of the evil one, he promised redemption, he promised restoration. And as we come to a brand new year, I am encouraged by the fact that while my life certainly begins with a birthday, your life begins with a physical day, you are brought into the world, uh, there is a process that God is on a mission to lead you and I through, a process that takes us all the way to transformation. There in, uh, in uh, Genesis, we find we started out as the enemies of God. And uh, it, we were as the enemies of God born in sin. Ephesians reminds us of that fact. But the moment we trust Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit moves into you and me. And that is a remarkable reality that now enables me to have the potential to live a life I can't live myself the most remarkable thing that God made possible when he sent his son into the world. And didn't just send him into the world to be my substitute, but he sent him into the, the world that by faith in him he could live in me. The reality is everyone in this room that's trusted Christ as their personal savior has the reality of God living inside of them. Several years ago, I would often come to my brother and I would say, do you realize today God lives in you. I'm very aware of the fact that God lives in heaven. But it's an awesome, sobering reality to realize if you know Christ as your Savior, God lives in you. Well, that uh, was God's uh, plan there right from Genesis chapter 3 to one day send a substitute that would take my sin debt and uh, take my penalty, take your penalty, and anyone who trusts Christ as their personal Savior could be the recipient of the gift of salvation. John 3.16 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's actually Romans, but John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said in John chapter 10 that the enemy came, the thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that you might have life, and that you might have life today more abundantly. When the Lord Jesus came into this world, he didn't just come to give you a new address. On the other side of this life, he gave, came to give you an abundant life now. Life in Jesus. Well, justification is a very important day. It's the second birthday of my life. My first birthday is one birthday when I came into the world. My second birthday when I trusted Christ as my personal Savior, and the same is true for you. Christ became our substitute. We received that awesome gift. But beyond that, God is not just here to give us 
a new future and somehow grovel in our existence between now and that awesome day. He's actually sent us the gift of His Son, the person of His Holy Spirit to live through me in a process the Bible calls sanctification. Simple words, growing and changing. Every day of my life is growing and changing because God's on a mission to make my life more like Jesus. Now the reality is when Jesus came into the world, He was God incarnate. God in the flesh. But there's a reality that while Jesus has now ascended back to heaven, as He now in the person of His Spirit lives inside of you, He's wanting every one of us to, can I say, in a very respectful and careful way, be a living reality, a walking demonstration of the incarnate Christ in this generation. That's sanctification, where God's not just here to set us free from the penalty of our sins. He's on a mission to set us free from the power of sin. He's my enabler. He's the one that enables me to live a life I can't live myself. We're ultimately looking for the ultimate end of that redemption plan when you and I are given a brand new body and we see the face of our Lord face to face and we don't just know deliverance from the penalty of our sins, we don't just know deliverance from the power of those sins, we know deliverance from the very presence of sin. What an awesome day. This day, we're a whole day closer. We're now a whole year closer than we've ever been that eternal day before the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that day, we're going to know in a very personal way, Christ, my bridegroom. Christ, your bridegroom. Well, we're in the most important part of our journey, as God is on a mission of changing me to become conformed to the image of His Son. It's the most important part of our lives. And I would say that every day we come closer and closer to that the end of this race of faith becomes more and more important. In fact, a lot of believers are great starters and unfortunately poor finishers. And God is on a mission to help us to live the life we can't live ourselves in the power of His Spirit. I just want to draw our attention to this prayer Paul Echoes in Philippians chapter 3, Oh, that I may know him. But I want to know something more than just knowing God. I want to know something more than just being able to read the awesome inspired text from the living word of God. I want my life to be a walking demonstration of resurrection power. I want my life to be marked not by what I can do. I don't want it to be marked primarily by my gifts and my strengths and my abilities. I want my life to be touched in every aspect by the supernatural. Paul said, oh, that I may know him, but beyond just knowing you, I want to know the power of your resurrection. And so this morning, I want to turn our attention to understanding the secret to life change. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord's help this morning. Father, I thank you so much that you're on a mission of redeeming us such that the enemy does not have the right to have the last word in our lives. I just want to thank you so much that you have not just shown us the way to walk. You've not just given us a life manual to follow. 
You filled us with your person, your Holy Spirit, to enable us to live a life we can't live ourselves. And I pray that 2022 for every one of us would be a year that's marked by the supernatural, a life that's marked by your supernatural touch in every aspect of our life. In your precious name, amen. As we look at this passage and consider just the awesome time that God's brought you and I to, I'm really encouraged just by the reality, um, and I'm having some issues here, uh, just by the reality that we may know the power of his resurrection. And I would definitely uh, concur with this uh, description of a life that's desperate for power. Scripture often uses a lot of agricultural analogies to help us to understand our life. And one of those analogies that's often repeated in the Bible is describing our lives kind of like a plant, like a vine, like a tree. These kind of perspectives. John chapter 15, Jesus uses the analogy of the vine to help us to understand what it is to abide in him. Uh, we find in Psalm chapter 1 that beautiful imagery of a tree planted by the rivers of water and a life that is uh, filled and nurtured by the Word of God. What a powerful impact that is. First Peter um, talks about how important our lives are um, or how important it is to have a life that's fruitful, not barren. In fact, he warns if our lives are not marked by virtue and and, and kindness and self-control and several virtues he lists there and actually second Peter he says your life is going to be barren and the Apostle Paul who had one of the most outstanding one of the most dynamic salvation experiences there on the road to Damascus also is the same man who pens one of the most uh, heart uh, stirring um, woeful journal entries we find in the Bible there in Romans chapter 7. We're getting ready to go there. But I love the transparency of the Apostle Paul because as he prays, Oh Lord, that I would know you, but not just know you, that I would experience the power of your resurrection. I might want my life to be touched by the supernatural. There's a sense where that heart cry is coming out because there is a desperation for power. Our lives can often be very barren, and they can be overwhelmed by a lot of different issues. It's not that we don't know Christ as our personal Savior. We're 100% confident of that. But every day, we're incredibly overwhelmed by the need for change. You ever find yourself, your, your life plagued by powerlessness over besetting sin issues? Every single one of us have that one thing that the enemy just knows how to bring us down. Uh, I've listed a several number of things that can certainly plague a life. Sometimes there can be issues of paranoia that we struggle with or obsessive compulsive tendencies that are just over the top, just great anxiety, sometimes passivity or anxiety. Sometimes there's abusive control or uh, spiritual apathy in our lives. Sometimes we struggle with suicidal thoughts at times. Sometimes deep depression. Sometimes panic attacks. At different points in our lives, sometimes the enemy points his bony finger in our face and uh, just torments us with doubts of our salvation. 
there's a number of things that could be put on this tree. And what I'm simply trying to capture for us is what a life that's marked by barrenness can look like. The issue is not the need to somehow pray the sinner's prayer again so that somehow all of these issues can uh, flee away. The issue is how can I know resurrection power so that my life is marked by traction? That's the need in every one of our lives, is to have a life, to know a life, to know a reality that actually finds traction. We live in a world that's looking for answers to all of these things and more. We throw medication at it. If we go to a biblical counselor, depending on the nature of that Christian counselor, sometimes they put Bible band-aids all over those presenting issues. And it doesn't really solve problems. I'm not in any way undermining the profound power of the word. But sometimes simply just to put a bunch of Bible Band-Aid do's and don'ts over behavioral issues is not helping me to find lasting traction in my personal journey with Christ. Perhaps we would describe the barrenness in our life not just necessarily by the powerlessness over besetting sin, but perhaps addictive behaviors that really are a struggle for us. Sometimes there's a restlessness, an anxiety in life, an impulsiveness. Sometimes a life that's often marked by a drivenness, a drivenness by the tyranny of the urgent. I can remember several years ago just myself being very tormented, if I may say, just by this sense of constant drivenness on the inside. It, my life uh, on the outside looked like it was paced and such, but... On the inside, I just felt an incredible, torturous drivenness. Great anxiety because of that. Sometimes I have found myself here in this category of facing the barrenness of busyness. Boy, we can certainly find ourselves in that raw spot spiritually where God has definitely saddled you with incredible responsibilities. Moses comes to my mind as a man who is leading over a million people across the desert in what was initially to be a two-year journey turned into a 40-year journey. As they're making this way across the desert, he's feeling overwhelmed many times by the incredible responsibility of keeping a million-plus people alive. As he's navigating that with so much responsibility, it's interesting how he would fall on his face so many times and say, Lord, I can't do this. I think the most repeated verse in the Bible has to be, And the Lord spake unto Moses. What an incredible reminder that God's not looking for me to have all the answers. He's looking for my dependence upon him. And God often works in our lives in a way to bring us to a place of barrenness. A place of what I may call desperation for power. Because God's wanting to bring us to the end of ourselves that can be the beginning of Him. God's wanting your life to not be marked and explained by your abilities or your giftedness or your strengths. He's wanting every aspect of your life to be marked by the supernatural. I would definitely say that this image uh, has absolutely captured my life so many times on January 1 of many a year. There was an acute awareness of the need for change in my life. 
But how to be the person I knew God wanted me to be, sometimes in the course of time, writing a list of goals would only punctuate a huge sense of failure. And it's almost become, it would become a dreadful thing to now face another January 1 and somehow feel the uh, need to put together a list of goals because I did not want to punctuate the sense of failure all over again when I already I had proved time and time again my inability to be the person I knew God wanted me to be. Sometimes we finally resign ourselves to the fact that we'll just uh, look forward to the eternal address there on the celestial shore where we are free from the presence of sin and until then live a groveling existence and a spiritual warfare with the enemy. Well, I'm encouraged with the fact when Jesus said he came into the world, he didn't just come into the world because he was concerned about life on the other side of this life. He wanted to give you abundant life today. He came to give you a life as Paul prayed, oh, that I would know the power of your resurrection. He came to give you a life marked by supernatural traction. And I just want to illustrate for us, how do we get there and what does that look like? Here are a few thoughts that I hope can just be an encouragement for us. And as we uh, consider these, um, I'm going to try here. I may be losing my connection. Let's uh, consider Romans chapter 7. The very man who wrote, Oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection is also the one that penned the words in Romans chapter 7. We're not going to read that whole chapter for time's sake, but the chapter captures for us what it is to somehow try to uh, live this... Christian life in the energy of my flesh. And I paraphrased this cycle that the Apostle Paul often found himself struggling through. The first is the uh, aspect of illumination. He says, every time I read God's Word, every time I see its commandments, it shows me who I am and it shows me God's holiness. He says in Romans 7, I wouldn't know lust, except when I open the Bible, it says, Thou shalt not lust. And we could put so many other things in there. I wouldn't know anger, except every time I open the Bible, it shows me not to be angry. It shows me not to do this and not to do that. And every time I look into this mirror, it's showing me God. And every time I look into this mirror, it's showing me me. Well, Beyond that, it doesn't, it doesn't just serve the purpose of a mirror that illumines God to me, that illumines me to me as God sees me. But he says there's also a sense of incredible conviction. Every time I read this book, it's as if Paul's writing there in Romans chapter 7, I'm overwhelmed with guilt before God. Why is it that the commandment is good? And yet, every time I walk away from it, I just feel guilty. Well, he reminds himself, the problem is not the mirror. The problem is me. The problem is the reality of sin in my life. And then there's a sense of resolve. We find him coming to the place of saying, well, I see what the mirror says. 
I see what the mirror is showing about God and what the mirror is showing about me. So the answer to change must be me willing harder. If I can just will to do right, if I can perform better, if I can just somehow wrestle my rebel flesh into conformity to the Lord Jesus Christ, I can be the person God wants me to be. He says, I'll try harder, as it were, to wrestle myself into conformity to obedience to Christ. He says, but then I'm overwhelmed with this incredible confusion. Why is it that the very thing I don't want to do, I gravitate to? And the thing I'm trying to avoid is exactly what I do. Why is it that the harder I try to do right, the harder I fall flat on my face? And he becomes so exasperated that he ends that chapter with this journal entry. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Those words could show up in many of my own journal entries. And if we're all honest, every single one of us have been there. It wasn't that Paul did not want to live the life God had ordained him to live. But how to experience traction to live the life God had ordained for him seemed to evade his grasp. And in that desperation, he doesn't just end the book of Romans with Romans chapter 7 and a period. But Romans chapter 7 is the turning point to an awesome second chapter, Romans 8, that where there's a dawning moment in the life of the Apostle Paul and he realizes for himself, wait a minute, God's not waiting for me to get me together to somehow wrestle my rebel self into obedience to Jesus. He's looking for me to discover the reality that Christ lives in me. And he says in verse 11, Now the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in me. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or enable my mortal body by his spirit that dwells in me. Wow, that was a revolutionary thought for the Apostle Paul. And the fact is, every time you and I open the book of Romans, turn to chapter 8, it's like a light bulb moment to realize that the key to change in my life is not somehow a life more marked by more giftedness. It's not a life marked by more charisma. It's not a life marked by more discipline, but it's a life marked by daily dependence. To be the person, I can't be myself. This cycle is definitely a cycle I have often found myself on. And I sometimes call this a proverbial hamster wheel. And as soon as we come to the place of exasperation, we finally muster the courage again to open this book. And again, we're illuminated with the need for change, only to again be overwhelmed with conviction, only to somehow pick ourselves off the ground and feel like if I can just make more resolutions, God can make the difference in my life. Only to, to again find ourselves overwhelmed with confusion. Why is it that I want to do right and somehow it evade, change evades my grasp? 
And then on the other side, even deeper exasperation than we've ever known. Well, Paul obviously gives us the answer to that in Romans chapter 8. But I do feel like it's helpful for us to realize when the Apostle Paul prays these amazing words, Oh, Lord, that I may know you, and not just know you, but to know the power of your resurrection. Father, I want to know a life that's marked by the supernatural. I realize this is not April. It's not Easter Sunday today. But as we think about the resurrection, it's valuable to realize something Paul realized. And that is, the resurrection is not just a historical event where Jesus came to life. I would have loved to have been one of the disciples following the Lord Jesus and being able to witness some of the most amazing miracles. But undoubtedly, the most amazing miracles I would have loved to witness is dead people being raised to life. Remember, there was a lady on her way following the, the coffin out of the city of Nain. And Jesus meets the, the, the uh, uh, pallbearers, and he meets the, uh, with the, the mother there that's uh, weeping the loss of her son. And Jesus raises that man from the dead. What an incredible scene to see a dead person brought to life. But can you imagine being there on Easter Sunday morning as a guard there to make sure the disciples don't steal the body of Jesus? And even more to make sure somehow Jesus does not come out of that tomb? All of a sudden, Jesus to come bursting forth out of that uh, sealed tomb. And those soldiers falling flat on their face, hardly knowing what in the world just happened. I can only imagine what their life stories must have been like when 20, 30, 40 years later, they're still talking about that day where they were set on duty to guard the body of Jesus. In other words, make sure Jesus didn't get out and no one got in, only to find Jesus resurrected from the dead. But do you realize the resurrection power that Paul is talking about here is not just a matter of reflecting on a historic account or a historic event. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it reminds us that the resurrection has a future significance as well in the fact that it gives us the promise of our resurrection. We can have confidence that we too are going to rise again because the Lord Jesus rose again. There's a future significance. But in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, Paul is reflecting on the resurrection. And he's asking the Lord, Lord, I want to know resurrection power in a very present reality. I'm aware of its historical significance, and based on 1 Corinthians 15, I'm aware of its future significance. But I'm convinced resurrection power was meant to change my life today. Notice, this is a prayer he prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. This was for fellow believers. By the way, it's a great prayer to pray for your family members. Pray for your husband, pray for your wife, pray for your children. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Lord, would you open our eyes that we would know what is the exceeding greatness of your power to usward who believe 
according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ, when you raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. What an incredible reality. And there in that Ephesians chapter 3, as Paul captures this concept of, oh, that I may know the power of your resurrection. That word power is the idea of miraculous power, dynamite power, supernatural power to be able to discover a life that I can't live myself. I like that reminder. I like that um, important reality. As we think of resurrection power, I often think back to my early teens where I attended a church like Grace Baptist Church here in Kettering. I was very challenged about the importance of dedicating my life to Christ. I was very challenged by the fact that God had something big, something special, something only I could do. By the way, that's true for every single one of us. God has something big, something special, something only you can do. There's a calling God's given for everyone in this room, and no one else can fill the shoes to fulfill the calling God's ordained for you. I remember thinking to myself as a 13, 14-year-old, just thinking, wow, that's overwhelming. I'm so glad God saved me. And Lord, what is it that you want to do with me? I remember beginning to plan and plot my life. What, where do I want to be five years from now? And oh, wow, I'm dreading high school. If I could just get past high school, then I can start to do, live the dream of serving God. Well, sure enough, get to 18, and I'm thinking, Lord, what would you have me to do? At the time, I was really burdened about uh, serving the Lord in Southeast Asia, and so I started booking um, ministry opportunities in Southeast Asia, and China, and Taiwan, and over in Europe, and Romania, spending significant amounts of time. And I really had the perspective at that time that somehow living a life marked by resurrection power was living the life of a supercharged Christian. The idea of having this supernatural energy that can make me more successful for God and a spiritual success in the lives of people. Definitely had the perspective the harder I work and the greater vision I can possibly have the more I can experience the reality of resurrection power. But over the last 20 years, God, in a miraculous and painful way of shepherding my life down the journey of the race of faith, has been helping me to consider another aspect. And I'm not saying everything about uh, that first definition is not true, but it's helped me to realize that God is on a mission to do something bigger than just me finding ways to serve God and to be a success in the eyes of people for the kingdom of God's sake. Because God's often on a mission to use and orchestrate circumstances in my life that I never would have put in my life script. Is that true for you? And remarkably, God's not after me doing all kinds of amazing things for him. By the way, he does want to do that as he empowers us. But there's something bigger God's after in our lives. That's a life that's marked by spirit dependence, a life that's marked by supernatural enablement to make me notice more like Jesus. More like Jesus and to accomplish his will through my life 
Here are the operative words for his glory. Well, this was a revolutionary change in my thinking that has taken a process to understand. When I would read the New Testament and even follow the life of the Apostle Paul, I'm thinking, wow, that's the life I want to know. A life that's just like a firecracker for God. A life that's just doing the most amazing things. But then all of a sudden we find God shepherding our lives down paths we never expected. In that course, we can start to think, well, I guess my life was just never meant to be. Perhaps I don't have it meant to be the uh, success that maybe the Apostle Paul's was. And what I've just come to realize is God's ordained a different journey for every single one of us. And the thing God's after the most is not my success for God, but God's enablement to change me for His glory. You know, it's interesting how God worked in a lot of different people. And as we consider Mary and Martha, as they had lost their brother to death and pleaded that Jesus would show up in time before taking their brother and Jesus delayed, they felt, Lord, if only you had been here, you don't know what we could have, the miracle we could have experienced. And Jesus was on a mission to accomplish something bigger than just somehow deliver uh, Lazarus off the bed of sickness. He was on a mission to glorify himself, and it looked like sending Lazarus to the grave. Now, ultimately, the Lord Jesus came to that grave and raised him to life. But it's a remarkable thing how the ways of God are often taking us down paths we never would have expected. Because God's not half as concerned about me doing all kinds of things for him as what he can do through me for his glory in making me more like Jesus. This is really an important concept that has been helping me understand resurrection power. I want to just uh, conclude this morning with a few thoughts that I think can hopefully just help us Uh, consider uh, this contrast uh, between uh, or or for resurrection power. Resurrection power I would define in these ways, and I just want to offer these for our consideration. I think I'm getting ahead of myself here, so let's back this up. Here we are. Talked about that. Here we are. What is resurrection power? And I would describe it this way. Let's just take this one because this is the slide in front of us. It's the power for fruitfulness, not just busyness. I like what Colossians chapter 1 says. As Paul now turns and prays for the Colossian church, I find it again fascinating just as a side note that the prayer he prays for himself. Lord, that I would know your resurrection power is a prayer that he's praying for the Ephesian believers, and now he's praying for the Colossian believers, and he prays that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Notice, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. I'm reminded of this particular example given to us in Galatians chapter 5. And incidentally, 
The works of the flesh are contrasted against the fruit of the Spirit. And I would have expected, especially a man like the Apostle Paul, to have penned the words, the fruit of the Spirit is a thriving church. It's five church plants in this new year. The fruit of the Spirit is so many people saved at the revival meetings that we're hosting in Athens and that we're having in Ephesus this year. But no, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Wow, talk about a life that's measured differently than we're expecting when we're looking at a life marked by supernatural power. We're not talking, talking about a life that's primarily marked by the success of busyness. We're talking about a life that's marked by fruitfulness. That's one thing I'm especially burdened about is I have the privilege of traveling around the country to invest in crisis situations. I usually get three to five days with very difficult situations to just be able to help folks forward in their journey with Jesus. The short window meeting someone I've never met from Adam, and now being able to navigate some of the most challenging, difficult issues of their life and to at least set their feet on a new trajectory for lasting change. That's an incredible challenge in a short window of time. And I've come to realize that the thing I need the most is not a life that's just marked by a full schedule of opportunities to invest in people. But it's a life, a ministry that's marked by tangible fruitfulness. Where God in a profound way is touching the lives of people. And giving them traction in their journey forward. That's what God wants to give you. And it often is a life that's marked by these kinds of fruits. Love and joy and peace. I want to just step back to this slide, and that is, it's also the power uh, for transformation, not just conformity. And uh, this has certainly helped me. Romans chapter 8 challenges us this way. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, notice, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Paul came to understand that the key for change in his life was not somehow reforming his rebel flesh. Because he finally came to the end of realizing my flesh can never be reformed. That was a light bulb moment for me to finally realize spiritual flesh stinks as much in the nostrils of God as decadent, willful, disobedient. My flesh can never please God, and my flesh can never ultimately be reformed. That's why the Bible doesn't talk about the importance of of renovation in your life. The Bible never talks about reformation in your life. The Bible word is always transformation. God's after that in our lives, and that's what resurrection power is. That's why Paul said, Lord, I want something in my life that's different than what I have to bring to the table for change. 
I'm, uh, I'm asking that you would let my life be touched with resurrection power that bears the testimony of transformation, not just reformation. I am impressed with the fact that that's what God is wanting to do in every single one of our lives. And then let's see if we can't step forward here to a couple others that I hope can be a help. All right, I think we're almost there. It's the power to be, not just the power to do. We've got this one. It's also the divine sufficiency that compensates for my inadequacy. Let's draw our attention to this particular text. I mentioned this morning in Sunday school that one of the most gifted men we find in the pages of the Bible is the Apostle Paul. No mistake about it, though many times he often reflected his incredible weakness. But there was a time in Paul's life here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where he really believed he could serve God better if there were some things different. Have you ever said to God, God, if you would change this, if you would change my husband, I could be a better Christian. If you would change my wife, I'd be a better person. If you would change my parents, I'd be a better uh, young person. If you would change my child, I'd be a better parent. If you change whoever it is in your life, my boss, I could be a better employee. For the Apostle Paul, there were some things that were stood as a thorn in his flesh, and sometimes that could be the Bible doesn't name exactly the issue for him, but it could be something that is of a, a, a chronic health need. And uh, Paul, whatever that was for him, thought, Lord, you don't know how much better I could serve you if you would just take away this thing that daily punctuates my weakness. Lord, I want to know your resurrection power. And this is the biggest hindrance that I have to navigate every day of my life. If you would just take this away, I could experience resurrection power. I'm really impressed by the fact that resurrection power is the divine sufficiency that always compensates for my inadequacy. You realize that sometimes God is gifting your life with things that somehow, in our human perspective, seem like the biggest hindrance to me experiencing supernatural power. But everything God's allowed in your life, whatever that looks like, that you would say, Lord, I would give my right arm to change this so that I could be this. Lord, if you would change so-and-so, I could do this for you. If you would change, take away this struggle that I have in my life, that I navigate every day. You don't know what that, how much that would just release me to do so much more for you. But resurrection power always hinges on my weakness. Because it's in my weakness, Paul said, that your strength is made perfect. Let's just read the text. He said to me, this is Jesus speaking to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. It is sufficient. There's nothing that needs to change in order for you to experience greater supernatural power. If there are providential circumstances in your life, God is gifting your life today with something called awesome grace. That's a perfect match for every challenge he's allowing your life to have to navigate. And Paul said this, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, 
that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul prayed and prayed and prayed, and the Bible says he prayed three times. Perhaps that's uh, symbolic of even just praying so much more in that fervency. Lord, if you would change this, if you would take this away, it would open up the door for me to serve you more. And the Lord helped him to realize everything I've gifted your life with, as painful as it is, is helping you to realize your dependence on me. And as you do that, your life is actually more useful than it ever would be without those circumstances. I don't know what God's gifted your life with here in 2022. But one thing I know is that God has commissioned your life to be one that's marked by abundant living today. We're not just hanging on for an eternal address, groveling in our existence this side of eternity, but God has come to give you life and that you may have it more abundantly. And everything he's gifted your life with in providential ways is an awesome gift to help us to realize our dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful that we too can pray exactly what the Apostle Paul prayed, Lord, I want to know you. But I don't just want to know you as black text off a white page. I don't want to just know your attributes, and I don't want to just know the experience of your person and your presence. Those are really important. Those are the foundation to my Christian life. But I want that knowledge of you to wear overalls. I want it to look like something. I want it to look like traction in my life like I've never experienced before. I want a life that's not just marked by work for God. I want a life that's marked by lasting fruitfulness with God. I want a life that embraces the most challenging, difficult things that seem like the biggest obstacle to me experiencing your supernatural power. Because if that's what it takes to keep me daily on my knees in dependence upon you so that your strength is made perfect in my weakness, that's the life I want. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if we could just quietly stand to our feet this morning. And as we do stand to our feet, I'm just burdened that God has here this morning commissioned you and I to a life that was meant to be marked by the supernatural. I'm convinced that the same prayer Paul yearned for is the prayer all of us this January 2nd, 2022, should do well to pray to the Lord, Lord, that I may know you but I don't want to just know you. I want my life to bear supernatural traction as I walk forward with you. As we're standing to our feet, I want to just offer these few questions as a reflection. I don't know how God has worked in your life this morning, but uh, perhaps you would say, I'm here at Grace Baptist Church, and there's never been a time in my life where I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. And as I look at a brand new year and the need for change in my life, I'm realizing I've never had a personal encounter 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never had an experience like the Apostle Paul did where he recognized he was a sinner and needed Christ for salvation. If that is you, I wonder if you just raise your hand and I can pray for you. If you're burdened about your soul, I would love to just pray for you this morning and just invite you at the end of this service to just reach out to someone in your pew or pastor or myself or someone here It's important as you step into this year to have a relationship with someone who can make the difference in your life. His name is Jesus. Is there anyone today you would say this morning, I'm burdened for my soul. I don't know Christ as my personal Savior. Would you just raise your hand? Love to just pray for you. Perhaps you know Christ as your personal Savior. There's no doubt in your mind. But if you were to draw your life tree, you would definitely testify to the fact that it feels like a life marked by barrenness. It feels like a life that's destitute of power. This morning, you would definitely say, if there's a need in my life, it's that this year, and every aspect of my life would be marked by a supernatural touch. If God's impressed that upon you, would you raise your hand? Your desire for every aspect of your life to just be touched by supernatural touch, divine traction, Amen. I think it would be valuable for us to just take a moment to just pray in your heart to the Lord now. Simply thank you, Lord, that you live in me. Would you tell the Lord that? That's the most awesome reality that is yours this morning. Thank you that you live in me. Thank you that I'm dead to sin. Thank you that I'm alive to God. And today, January 2nd, 2022, I yield myself to the best of my ability, all my weaknesses, all my strengths, all my uncertainties, everything that makes me me. I yield to you as a living sacrifice. Would you take a moment to do that before the Lord And then could you just pray, thank you, Lord, that today and this year, you're giving me the grace I need to do your will. And whatever weakness you choose to gift my life with, help me not to chafe against it, but to realize that it's in my weakness that your strength is 